0: Welcome to the Exponential Podcast, where we help you live the life of a multiplier. Our mission is to empower you to take your life, leadership, and impact to the next level. In each episode, we'll explore strategies and insights to help you multiply your influence and calling in the world for Jesus. Today's episode is from Exponential 2023's Global Conference in Orlando, where we brought together some of the world's top leaders and innovators to share their insights and expertise to experience more conversations like this be sure to check out our upcoming events at exponential.org Hey everyone I'm uh, I'm Brandon Barr and uh, I serve on the national leadership team for the Bonhoeffer project and in my free time I'm a pastor at a little church in Orange County called Saddleback Church recently an independent church <laughs> and uh, you know we uh, we get to do some fun stuff uh, our passion on Hopper Project, uh, is to see leaders become disciple makers. And all day, uh, Derwin Gray kicked it off amazing for us. He, I think, stole a little bit of our, uh, of our content. But, we've got some great stuff to dig into. See, um, I think we are about Jesus' mission in the world, aren't we? Is that why we're here? Yeah. That's why I'm here. Because I'm about Jesus' mission in the world. Now, Part of the problem is we do get super clear on what exactly that mission is. Uh, so I want to just be riffed again by Jesus' mission in the world and then wrestle a little bit with how do we see that done. And maybe there are some challenges we are facing. There are some problems about seeing His mission come. So, Jesus' Matthew twenty four fourteen, It says, The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come it's nice to start at the end isn't it for just a moment to be refreshed again with what our, is it's what this is about reviving evangelism right that's what this conference is about and our hope and our dream is the kingdom gospel proclaimed to the ends of the earth and then end will come now we know that this was Jesus', there's a drip right here. I've noticed in Florida, I'm Southern California, Florida, water's everywhere, man. It's coming from the sky, from up below, it's everywhere, man. So just don't sit in that chair unless you want a little free shower. But I, I think it's air conditioning. I don't know what's going on here. We don't have that in California. But here, here's, here's the thing. Um, What was I even talking about? God has a grand mission for the world. We want to see His kingdom proclaimed. How do we know this is His mission? Well, think about it. The very first words written in the God of Mark, the very first words that Jesus says is what? I mean, this is a pop quiz. Anyone? Anyone? Mark 1.15, The time has come, Jesus says. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Gospel. Those are his first words in the book of Mark. That starts Jesus' mission. And we know it is Jesus' mission because this, this great moment that I think uh, so many of us in ministry live in, uh, in, in Mark 1, uh, fourteen or sorry, 38. Mark 1:18. It's one of my favorite things. He's been staying up all night, healing people at a mother-in-law's house, right? There's a line. And he's healing people. He's casting out demons. Jesus is doing this good kingdom. And then what does he do? That's all night. He wakes up very early in the morning while it is still dark. Making it very clear, this is very early in the morning. Okay, so he goes out to the Eremos place, the desert place. And he's praying. And he's... We can find the conclusion what he was praying about. He was... Refocusing. What is my mission? Why? So he's there and he's praying. He's finally getting a moment. You guys remember what happens? Anyone? Quiz. It's great. Book of Mark. It's good. You should read it sometimes. So here's what happens. <clears throat> Jesus and coming up the hill are the disciples, and they're running after them. After what they say, everyone is looking for you. Right, there's a line of people back there. We got stuff to do. Church to plant, we got stuff to do, man. People are waiting to get healed and demons cast good good work. What does Jesus say in response? He says, I must preach the gospel in the other towns also. That is why I have come. Now that's when Jesus says very clearly, this is my mission is to see this happen. Okay. So let's play with this for a second. This is going to be a little interactive. You may have to talk to some. This is the, mi- the mission Jesus has before Him. To proclaim the God of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. How would you do this? Yourself in Jesus' place, how would you do this? If your goal was to spread this good news around the world, what would be your A few caveats. Okay, the first one is, you have only three years before you're killed. Alright, three years... Your home country is being ruled over by the most powerful empire in history. By the way, you have all authority in heaven and on earth. Okay? So here's what I want you to do. You know the answer, but I just want you to play with this. Your goal is to get a message of the earth. These are your caveats. What's your strategy? What I would first do is I'd go to some really influential donors. And I'd convince them to give me a lot of money for the biggest marketing campaign ever, right? You're trying to get the mission, are you gonna trying to get this message to the end, right? So I'd like, I mean, you can't do TV because there's the Roman Empire. I would do like the biggest papaya, uh, like car- campaign ever in history, right? And I'd make it real compelling, real sharp and flashy, and I'd hand out those pamphlets all around. That's how I would do it. Or maybe, maybe what I would do is, uh, honestly, if I'm, if I've got we in heaven and earth, I would just loudspeaker over the entire earth, right? Like just, uh, boom, just to everybody. That would be obviously the right way to get the message to the ends of, or you know what? What I, what I think I could do is... All these, you know what? I'll, okay, check this out. All of this big event, right? And all everybody, this really big, cool, attractional event. We'll have bounce houses. We'll have barbecues. We'll bring everyone there, and then everyone's having a good time, a big old party. And then right at the end of that, I'm going to sneak in a little bit of the, the gospel. Right? I'm going to sneak it right there at the end. See, it's funny. We laugh a little bit, but let's be honest. It's a little bit what we're trying to do to carry out this mission. Let's get real. We have our own strategies to try to see this gospel message get out to the ends of the earth. And I'd urge you to just wrestle for a moment. Is it working? In your churches, in your context, in your approach? Is it working? Now, when I'm saying is it working, what I'm what I'm saying is are we seeing our churches filled with apprentices of Jesus, are reproducing and multiplying and living out the gospel of the kingdom, all aspects of their lives. Or are we more focused on building a church than we are building? A are we maybe maybe is what's imagined a group of people that are showing up maybe once a month to a service and the rest of the time watching online? Was his goal hybrid Christians? Halfway world, half little bit of Jesus in there? I don't think that's what he imagined. So we have our approaches, but chat a different approach, and you can probably guess. You guys have read this part. Uh, this is what Jesus does. Jesus believes that the best way to see the gospel of the kingdom spread to the ends of the earth is through the work of Of disciple making. You know where he started? Not with influential donors. Not with a really cool big event. He started by giving an unequal amount of time and an under amount of his three years focused on a few. Now that seems completely opposite to me. If I wanted to start a movement where this story, this gospel message got out to the ends of the earth, I wouldn't have done it that way. And honestly, when you look at our strategies, it's kind of like we're telling Jesus, "You kind of did it the wrong way, Jesus. We got a better plan." See, here's what he then finally, at the end of it, says to his disciples to carry out this work. He says, "We've heard that Jesus came and told his disciples, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty. I have been given all authority even and on earth. It's all the authority we need. Therefore." Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even at the end of the age. See, in uh, in his book, The Master's Plan of Evangelism, Robert Coleman, uh, it's a fantastic book. If you've not read it, I picked it up again after a long one. It's fantastic. Only like a 100 pages. So good It's got such a bite to it. But his point was, think about discipleship where you're usually thinking of this kind of insular work where somebody's just working on themselves to get closer to God and that type of stuff. I want spiritual formation. And what says, and this was the heart behind what Dietrich Bonhoeffer did, is that the call to make disciples is about fulfillment of God's plan for the World Rescue Mission. The work of discipleship is how we get the message of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. That is the way Jesus did it. That is the way we are called to do it. This is a really powerful quote from Dallas Willard in Renovation of the Heart. Kind of getting at the heart of what it is that we're trying to do as disciple makers. Just to bend your thoughts a little bit outside of discipleship work is about me just being spiritually formed. Here's what he says. He says, we must make no mistake about it and set his trainees. Jesus set afoot a perpetual world revolution, one that is still in process and will continue until God's will is done on earth is in heaven. As this revolution culminates, all forces is so beautiful. Of evil, mankind will be defeated. And the goodness of God will be known, accepted, and joyously conformed to in every aspect of human life. And then listen to this. All of that beauty, all of that good, that mission that God is at work in, He has chosen to accomplish this with in part through us, His students. And his students who multiply other students of Jesus. You may be cruising with me and you're saying, you know what? Great. That sounds good. Did I just turn it off? I did just turn it off. Let me can do here. Did it come back? Yes, it came back. Okay. There is restoration of all things. This is good. <laughs> now you may be saying, Brandon. I'm at exponential because I am all about disciple making. Okay? So I get it. I get it's not just about building the church, it's about building people. It's about applying. This whole conference is called exponential. So I got it. Disciple making. I'm about it. But you know what, Brandon? I've tried it. And it just isn't working. It's not working towards this end. It's not reproducing. There's not multiplication like I hoped there would be. You, you may, uh, have been in this. Now, I've I've led these cohorts, something that Bonhoeffer Project does, we walk through uh, through cohorts, about a year-long cohort, you're going to hear about that a little bit later, but of the five years I've been doing that, one of the first things up often with pastors that are sharing with me is that they'll say, look, I've tried. And the first way that they try is they say, you know what, I, I built a church system that's supposed to make this, and here's what that strategy looks like. You got all the people, I drew these, so get ready for the best drawings of your life. Got your crowd of people. That's that kind of image in the top left. You got your crowd of people, and the plan is that crowd of unbelievers into your church, and then what you do is you run them through a system. It be a system of classes and courses, this kind of one step, two step, three step thing, or if you just get them into this right Sunday school class or this right deal, that will produce disciples. And unfortunately, this, this viewpoint that I think has been over in by the Industrial Revolution, we're kind of like, you know what we need is a factory. We need a disciple factory. We can't make enough, so let's make a disciple factory. And here we are in 2023, and we look at the state of our church, and I think we can all be honest and say, man, that's not creating, reproducing disciples. Uh, it's, it, it's not multiplying. And... There are real reasons why it's not multiplying. We go real deep here, but we won't. Uh, Robert Coleman says, well, one of the problems with this approach is, is that you get these baby Christians and you try to grow them through a process. And he said, you cannot raise a child proxy. Isn't that beautiful? You can't raise a child through proxy. Um, if anyone has been reading about attachment theory, that we grow through who we are attached to, one of the big problems with this factory approach is that you can be walking through classes and there is no atta- any actual person. It's an attachment to a process or a, a, a factory. So, man, it doesn't work for kids. There's been research that's shown that the kids in the early 1900s where they were put into these orges and they didn't have anyone to actually attach to, you know what happened? failure to thrive syndrome. Many of them actually could not continue living if they weren't attached to somebody. And so we're doing that in our churches and that's a huge issue. It's not multiplying. All right. So then you say, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go back to basics is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to sit down with coffee with somebody one-on-one, and I'm going to do this one-on-one hard work disciples. We're going to keep each other accountable, and we are going to I'm, I'm going to really make sure that they are learning and growing and getting this all figured out. We're going to meet up twice a week and do all that stuff. Whew. It's a lot of work, isn't it? And if any of you have tried this, first off, it's a beautiful thing. Can I just say real quick, I know that sometimes this type of talk, there can be shame that comes on our sin. We, we can be hard on ourselves as Christians. Can we be honest here? We can be really hard on ourselves and keep saying, we're blowing it all the time. Oh, I think God loves our efforts. But what He wants to do is focus us on His true, true mission. All that to say, we can spend this time one-on-one working with him, And it doesn't quite turn into reproduction. You know what happens if you've experienced this is that they kind of glom on to you and quickly that relation turns into something where they're just continually needing more and more and more from you and it never turns outward. It doesn't multiply. So if the top one results in factory produced, I, I don't know, Christians, not quite disciples, one, I think falls into the tendency that uh, Augustine, or do we call it Augustine down here, I don't know Is it is, um, he calls it the incurvatus in se, I'm going to throw a little Latin around, here. sounds good, incurvatus in se, this curvature into the self. That type of approach, fortunately, if it's not done towards the end mission with the right gospel in place, what we end up doing is hurting. Because we, we focus them inwards on their own health, their own growth, and slowly over time, we end up worshiping ourselves. And we miss out on the mission God has for us. And then you show up to some conferences and you're like, I got figure it figured out. Got to get them in groups. It's not a one-on-one thing. If you just get the group thing figured out, then then going grow. And you end up with a life group. A group for life. That huddles, right? And that's what you end up with. And guess what? No multiplication. And now you may say, I've seen some multiplication in these, and I would say back to you, who had to do the multiplying? Who had to do the reproducing? You did. If you want more churches, who has to plant that other church? You do. If you want more of that one-on-one relationships, who has to do more one-on-one relationships? You do. How about more groups? You've got to be the one who launches them. That means it's not multiplying. So what do we do about this? Well, here's another image, one more drawing. We'll move on. This one's going to be up in the Smithsonian at some point, I think. It's beautiful. This is a river. I'm going to tell you what the problem is, okay? Why does this keep happening? Well, if you imagine this as a river, again, water's everywhere in Florida. We start midstream. What we do is we start by asking the question, what are you doing? What's your disciple-making plan? What's your strategy? What are your models? What are your vehicles? How are you doing making And sometimes in these types of contexts, these types of conferences, that's what we do. If we're really passionate about disciple-making, that's in each other. What's your strategy? What do you got going on at your church? Or we go further down the river, and we go downstream, and we're getting down to the how level. What's the, what's the curriculum you're using? And so you come to a conference like this, and you buy a new curriculum, and you try it in your system, and ugh, it's not What's happening here? Well, here's you. This is you. Wait, you're looking great. <laughs> and that's you holding a, a pail, okay? And you're down here the bottom of the river, and you keep pulling up water, and it's polluted water. It's dirty water. And you know what you do? You... You, ba- you keep trying to bail that water, and you're saying, I need a different how, or maybe you go up st- to midstream, and I need a different what, and you keep bailing, keep bailing that water, and guess what? It just keeps being polluted. It will not reproduce. People keep being focused on themselves. The focus just keeps being inward, and so that just keeps going. And then you come to a conference like this, and you're like, I got some fresh water. I met somebody at a church where like, It seems like something really cool is happening there. They're reproducing. This is making this chain reaction. Something really cool is happening. So you take that water and you pick it into your river and it's still polluted. See, the problem is we don't go upstream to what truly is our gospel. And this is the part that Pastor Derwin Gray uh, started in in that first session. See, we believe here at the Bonhoeffer... The gospel you preach determines the disciples you make. The gospel you preach determines the disciples you make. And so if the disciple or the disciple you are preaching, I'll tell you this, whatever type of disciple you are growing at your church is because of the gospel that's at the root of it. Now, I know we all say, we know what the gospel is. And I'm not saying that we've got some real weird, kind of skewed, broken, heretical gospel. I'm not saying that you're holding something like that. But it may just be that we have inherited an incomplete gospel. And we have been handed down these incomplete gospels that are resulting in incomplete disciples. Misguided disciples. Now, if you're I'm not going to go too deep into this. The next session we're going to do next tomorrow at what time? At 8:30. It's going to be fresh 8:45. Sometime around there bring your coffee. We're going to be diving into the six different gospels. And the gospel leave we need to be preaching. So there's a little uh, little pitch. But here's what the problem is with our gospel. I'll just go into, I think, the gospel that generally coats much of our church today here in the West. is we have separated salvation from discipleship. And we've made discipleship optional. Right? We say, hey, why don't you get saved? And what we say is, get converted. And then what we end up doing is spending the rest of our lives trying to convince people to take up the option on the contract to say, well, discipleship, that's something you do after, you know. But conversion is a thing we got to figure out. We're going to call this the Gospel Americana, the, the thing where you split conversion and discipleship. We believe you can't have one without having the other. Yes to Jesus means a yes to discipleship. No exceptions, no excuses. See, here's what a conversion looks like in the Gospel Americana. Salvation. And all the benefits of salvation come when you convert. And how do you convert? Well, we've, you know, you did some type of culturally formed practice. Whatever we're coming from, whatever liturgical background you may have, for a lot of evangelicals, it's a prayer. That's how you get converted. And if we're honest, if you really nailed us to it and said, where is this in scripture, there may be a little bit of a challenge. What did Jesus say? Say this prayer and therefore you will be saved. I mean, just throwing it out there. But so some culturally formed practice of converting. And then this gets you the ticket to eternal security. And then what comes? That's the main thing. And then we're like, you know what? But if you're one of those extra credit Christians, you know, if you like really want some extra, like, I don't know, an extra jewel in the crown. What does that mean? But, you know, like if that's what you want, then you know what you need to do? Oh, man. We're going to have to come back to find out what you're going to do next. (laughs) No, I'll keep walking through. I don't have too much much left, but maybe you can help me, CEO. Uh, So, discipleship, extra credit. Now, here's the other challenge. There it is. All right, let's go next. Here's here's the pitch. Imagine, this is what we do in our friends, is that we say, you know what you can do? You can raise your hand right now. I'm going to just see if this works now. It does. Thank you. We say, if you just raise your hand right now, if you do prayer, if you do this thing, guess what? Your eternity will be set. Jesus' blood covers you. You are saved for eternity, and you don't have to do anything else. Everyone would want that everyone would sign and the part that we leave out is when Jesus says if you want to come follow me you must deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me those are the words of our savior and yet those are not the words from our pulpits and so what we end up saying is for discipleship it's extra credit and you know if you want to do it you have to die to yourself and, you know, do the church, church checklist, as we call it. You know, get in your small serve, uh, be involved with this and that class, and, you know, do all that stuff if you want the extra credit. And then a lot of us, if, if you've got like a discipleship edge here, what you'll end up doing is a communicating discipleship process, not as this is just what it means to be a Christian. The benefit we try to offer is we say, well, this is spiritual formation. This is where you get with yourself, and you can get like closer to Jesus, and that is what you'll get. That'll be the benefit to you if you work harder. And you know what most people say? "Mm, It's not so important. Not going to hell thing. How about I just do that, and then getting closer to Jesus. That sounds nice. I guess I'll go through one of your classes every you know few months or something like that, and check the box, and feel a little bit a little bit more integrated to. To myself, You guys are starting to see the problem here? You've seen why our church results in what it results in? The sin that we have to step into is we need to restore discipleship to its rightful place as a natural part of what it means to be saved. The gospel we preach determines the disciples we make. And if our gospel does not involve Dying to ourselves, picking up our cross to follow Him. That's the type of disciple we're going to get. This is what we do. This, I mean, I have my full-time job, but my passion here with Bonhoeffer Project, the reason I'm here is because I believe in this process. Um, and so what our hope is to do as a process is we walk through with pastors. Let me just tell you something. This cannot be solved in one talk. I know a lot of times what we're doing in a conference like this, we want that silver. We want that thing that will solve all of our problems, but this is a DNA issue. This is at our DNA level of what we believe and who we are. And we have been so up in this gospel Americana that it takes some time to unwind it and be refreshed again by the good news of the kingdom. And so we walk people through. We start upstream. Then we go midstream and then we go downstream the way you ought to go. And we basically spend time together. Ten months, we have a six-month thing that Dan's going to share about in just a second. But that's our process. Uh, I would love... how, How are we doing on time? We're doing great. So I would love if any questions came to mind as I was sharing. Anything that is irking you or challenging you or is a uh, question clarity that would be helpful for you i'm tr- just trying to fill in a little bit so that you can be thinking about a question because whenever you open up for questions there's a big moment of pause and it's awkward so i'm going to keep talking while you think of one question and then uh and then we'll dive into it yes i see that hand yes uh the master plan of evangelism by a man named robert coleman who worked with the late, great Dr. Billy Graham, and um, it's just a fantastic book. I taught one, I talked about uh, Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard. Um, but really, a lot of the heart of this is in conversion and discipleship, uh, written by Dr. Bill, who founded Bonhoeffer Project. Um, it's a big red book, and it's somewhere. We're handing it out. We're going to be giving it out. It's back here. I won't do the Dan Lights thing and disappear and then come back. But uh, Any other questions? The last slide. Let's see if it will do it. Yes. The solution is to restore discipleship to its rightful place. That a yes to Jesus means a yes to a journeying Him. Are you going to speak about how to engage a post-Christian culture with the gospel? Hmm. It's a good question. I, I'm not going to speak because the, the, the rest of the team is going to be doing other workshops. Uh, I think it's a really important question uh, in, a, in a post-Christian setting. I mean, I'm in Southern California, so we're somewhat post-Christian. Where are you coming from? Toronto. Toronto. Okay, so you know it too. We've got to connect ha- afterwards. I'd love to hear what, you're, what you've experienced. I, my personal thought is a gospel of escapism say this thing, do this formula, and the world doesn't matter. You'll just escape to a disembodied heaven. Uh, That ain't speaking to my generation or the generation to come. Um, But one that's about the restoration of all things, a Savior that doesn't just want to heal our spiritual category of us, but all of us. Um, a gospel that doesn't have to do just with me individually, but has corporate realities to it, uh, I think mean, much more intriguing and works out. True gospel. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, I really appreciate that. I, for anyone in the recording, I'll speak this back. Uh, basically, it's a question about gifting and saying, hey, if there is uh, sifting around uh, disciple-making seems like some people it comes a bit more naturally to others. I think beneath that question may be um, a perspective of what's happening midstream. So I think when it comes to disciple-making, I'm so focused on the how. This is the model. And sometimes those models are going to be more beneficial to certain personality types and certain giftings than others. All I know is that the call to make disciples is absolutely baked into what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If I am being a follower of Jesus, my mission is to see others being by Jesus through me. And so that would tell me, well, if this is for all of us, it's going to fit all personality types. Um, I think the beauty of what disciple making is, without getting too far out, is that it is done when we bring ourselves to another person and see kingdom come through us for the sake of of others so anyway that's a quick quick answer to a much more complex yeah that is correct thank you yes so the next session wednesday will be focused on on the gospels uh, what is the gospel that we are preaching? Which ones may we be more influenced by? Again, that we've inherited or we've been trained up in. And then after that, we're going to be going a little bit more midstream. Some talking about our language around disciple making. Um, and the, how the words we use are extremely, extremely important. I'll get into some of the modeling. So, yeah. Second What's that? For content? content for the plan? Yeah. So, so this—if I just walk this through—so this is actually our process. I'm gonna explain that in just a minute. Okay. So basically, this is this is our process that we through over our our cohort time, um, which is normally 10 months. I think we have a six month uh, kind of that we're doing. And what we do is we start with a few few months. In the gospel, then we move midstream. What are our models? What uh, what is our strategy? How do we defining what a disciple is? And then downstream, we come up with a plan. We ask, okay, how are you going to make this happen in your context? Um, so that's not super clear. Answer on step on dance toes too much. I did see another question. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is that's a complex one. I think you know that that. Definitely the gospel, I'll say it again, the gospel we preach determines the disciples we make. And the gospel that is preached that is about a God of, uh, say this prayer, it's kind of a fire insurance thing, you don't want to go to hell, and the promise we give them is a heaven, and even it's not even about God. It's like this godless heaven. And Jesus is our means to our own end. Think about what we do with the gospel, right? We use Jesus as a footstool to step on to get to our own divinization, right, to our own glorification. That type of a gospel results in somebody and the hard times come. I mean, I, I can hear Jesus' words of the wind comes and the rain comes. I'm sorry to say this in Florida. This is built on a, on sand and it's going to fall apart. Um, sorry, Floridians. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a funny joke at the end of a various question. I'm sorry about that, but um, all right, maybe we got time for one more. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, how, is, how is this method different? Well, first off, I think that's again mentioned at the midstream level. So do I think that at some times the one-on-one gathering or the church gatherings or the gatherings of the cohort of people will reproduce? Absolutely. I, I, I don't get so focused on the means. Uh, now, I think some means don't work. Like, let's just be honest. Some things just don't result in disciples, reproducing disciples. But I think a lot of the other ones, it's what's, what's not wrong is the method. What's wrong is the water that's upstream. And so, any try your hardest, but if that water's polluted, it ain't going to work. We're going to just keep curving people into themselves. And it's not going to reproduce. You know, I think about when you, uh, I heard about this. I'm California, so I don't know. But, right, a, a horse and a donkey, and they make a mule. A mule will never reproduce. Does anyone know this? I don't know. Got some people. Is it? This is correct. All right. Southern California for the win, everyone. I don't know if I've ever seen a mule in my life. This is what happens, right? Our gospels result in a bunch of mules. Uh, sometimes we will do a lot of stuff, check a lot of the boxes, do the church checklist, but are not reproducing. And with that, I've got to end with a set of uh, mules. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sheridan. Thank you for listening to this Exponential podcast episode. Visit Exponential.org for more resources and join our community of like-minded leaders, pastors, and planters who believe in healthy multiplication.